The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bubba and the Bat Flip, episode 79. Going to recap your week two fab, take some awesome listener questions and so much more fun stuff to get you to keep it on this fantasy fo- uh, fantasy baseball season-long action we got going here. You can find me on Twitter at BDintrick and the Bat Flip portion of the podcast on Twitter at Bat Flip Crazy. Toby, how we doing, man? Uh, we're doing all right, Bubba. I, I mentioned to you as we, were, as we were hopping on here, it's been an early struggle for a lot of my teams, but... Today started inching in the right direction, so I know it's very early, but it's never too early to be concerned about about your teams and worried that you've made all the wrong choices in the world, like betting against Vlad Guerrero Jr. You know, um, so and, and no, no one ever, no one ever reminds you of that either. No, no, nobody nobody does. I, I deserve I deserve every reminder. Uh, no, it's okay. It was bound to happen one of these years, and it's only, what, 10 games in? So that's the hot topic on Twitter now. 10-game sample size. Can't believe everything you see. 10-game <laughs> like, sample size. Uh, yeah. I, you know, yeah. I cannot believe that I drafted Ronald Acuna 1 when I could have just drafted Tyler Naquin. Exactly. You know, in down, 20, down not even, uh, without even drafting him. I could have just picked yeah. him up on the wire. And now he's what not even starting because Wink, yeah, Winker's back, that. so he's not even starting now. So it's fun. Yeah, but for sure. I mean – What's the point in drafting like Freddie Freeman when all along I could have drafted like Adam Duvall? Yep. You know, monster monster night. Yes. What? Why? Why are we spending all this high draft capital capital on hitters when I could just stream stream their their three home run games on the waiver wire? Exactly. Like Ryan McMahon. Why did we not do this? It's like simple stuff, guys. Draft him like draft him in round like fourteen. Should have gone line straight aces. Yeah, nice. but why draft aces early when you could have when you could have just drafted uh, Oscar Yanoa? You yep. know, like I exactly. mean, 
man, my draft strategy should have just been four closers to start off with based on how the season's going on early. But even that didn't work out. So yeah. who knows? You should, who knows you should, just, you should just traded your top 10 picks for the next 20 picks from someone <laughs> else. Sure. And then just take all your picks from there. That, that's the strategy. I'll, I'll trade you my first 10 picks for all your fab. There you go. Exactly. I'll, I'll make it happen off the waiver wire. So see you guys later. Um, yeah, that just that that's it's, it's fun. It's baseball. It's uh, the ups and downs. I love the the overreactions. I do it. We all do it. It's fun to to enjoy what you're doing. But long, long season. It's not 60 games this year. We got 162. So um, it's a long ways to go. Like I almost took a screenshot of some things today, and I was like, no, nah, because uh, I know how things can go in a few weeks. So we're just going to pretend this didn't happen and enjoy enjoy the standings where they are. But um, yeah, it's fun. It's fun. Yeah. And um, yeah. Well, we'll see where it keeps going, but uh, we're going to talk some week two fab. Similar to last week, uh, it's fun because it gets to talk about the the key players that were added, kind of what value we think they have going forward. Um, you know, maybe they get dropped and nothing after this week, and you can go pick them up for cheaper stuff like that. There's a lot of things going on, a lot of closers. It's going to be a weekly thing. Like right before we jumped on, I saw a note that um, Julian Merriweather. He left with a hip injury, so welcome back, Jordan Romano. Time like it's just going to be a revolving door of what's going on. So it kind of goes back, Toby, to what we said last week. Should we be paying this much for closers by committee? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting. And the thing with Merriweather, it's like, yeah, maybe Romano is going to be the guy. It could be someone but else. Also, yeah. Romano has been awful, right? Yeah. I mean, even today uh, he was really bad. Yeah. So um, and Dol- Dolis hasn't been great. Like they have a, a big hole in the back of that bullpen. Gosh, I got now. I'm gonna have to pick up like Tim Meza or whatever his name is. And I don't know. I don't know how he's been doing, but I got to check out the check out the peripherals. I will be glued to Greg Jewett's article tomorrow morning in my email. That's all oh, I have to say. Coffee's and poor, poor guy, poor guy, having to keep I'm, up. I'm actually carousel. I'm jealous. He has something to talk about every night. Like early in the season, if you're doing other fantasy content, what do you do? You <laughs> just overreact to everything. Just he's like, actually got stuff to talk about. <laughs> you just give up, Baba. You just give yeah. up. Or sit in the corner and rock yourself, you know? Yeah, that's all we do. I go Leo Mazzoni in the corner. Yeah. That's what I do. But um, it's going to be – we've got a few closures to talk about here, see where it goes. But uh, let's kick it off with the highest um, highest fab acquisition this past week. He went 425 leagues, most leagues. He went for as much as $556, as cheap as $1. All these guys go for as cheap as one dollar somewhere, and it blows my mind. <laughs> I, I can't, I can't. I want to know these leagues. I really, really get do. me in those leagues. Get my me in God. those leagues. But Lou Trevino went for a massive amount. Um, I remember like a couple of years ago looking for him as a potential closer guy here and there, but he got the save on Tuesday against the Diamondbacks, so that was good. But five hundred fifty-five dollars, I saw him go for a couple hundred in my leagues. Um, mm. What's your thoughts on Trevino? Because I still think there's other guys involved there, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, we got probably the clearest statement of, of any committee, you know, in terms of the manager kind of saying true. that they wanted to go with Tremino. But at the same time, I mean, that's true. But then you look at the usage and it still was a little confusing heading in. Like, is Diekman still going to get that? You know, if, if there's going to be lefties coming up, is Diekman still going to get it? You know, I think the thing for Trevino, I put in bids in the $40 range. I kind of knew I wasn't going to get him. Um, but, you know, the thing with Trevino is, you know, he's been he's been fine. You know, he hasn't actually been all that good uh, throughout his career. And then when I was looking at just his numbers so far this year, you know, 8.1% swinging strike rate. 
but he appears to have the role. And so as long as he has that, you know, and his 0.067 BABIP and hundred percent strand rate, you know, we will, uh, we will continue to see him, I think in, in the ninth inning. So, uh, you know, whether, it, whether or not it'll last, that's always the question with the closers, but he seemed like a good speculative uh, guy to add. I just think it is very challenging to, to, to bid, you know, those multiple hundred dollar bids to get a closer who, you know, if he blows his next save, are we sure that, that they're going to come in? So that's always the tension. I think we talked about it last week between the closer and the closers, the new closers and, and trying to pick them up on fab, but you got to get saves, you know, you got to get saves. And, and I'm freaking out about it too, because um, I do not, um, I don't have a ton of saves right now in my teams. Uh, yeah, so it's okay. I saw stats. I think it was Monday. Uh, a large chunk of teams in leagues don't have saves. So it's just one of those deals that it gets wild because not everybody can draft Craig Kimbrell and stuff like that. Yeah, I like you. Goes. I mean, yeah, it's just, it's just crazy. You can't do it. But, um, and that's yeah, one I, I, will, I, I will enjoy. <laughs> I, I never felt as seen on a podcast as I did when I was listening to Scott Genstad and um, uh, Jeff Erickson, and they were like, there are even a bunch of teams in the main who have zero saves. And I'm like, that's me. That's me over here. I mean, I think it's only one league that I have zero saves and zero closers in, but oh man. Oh man. It's fun out there. Yeah. It's a wild time. Well, heck like Chapman and hand guys that went kind of early, just got their first saves yeah. on Monday. So it's just, you know, it's early. It's very, very early. We'll see, see how things keep going. But Trevino, I like his talents. Uh, it is the A's a team that we know likes to kind of stick with one guy for the most part, which is good. I do think Deekman will still get a sh- fair share. Like if it's a lefty situation, like you said, we got a good, some good quotes from uh, the the coaching staff there. So that that's good to hear. But um, Trevino is one of the few that I've seen worth spending on, not spending $555 on. Um, I, I, I wouldn't have gone past like probably 150, 160. And I didn't, I obviously went less because I didn't get him anywhere, but um, it's, I, I just can't, can't break the bank that much especially in week two like if you break the bank now then you can't spend later it doesn't even matter if you have saves to me so it's just it's just tough but we talked about that last week now a fun one a really fun one and this is interesting because i did it's not it's not a fun one bubba no oh you must have grabbed some too Um, no 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 no. okay well um he wasn't even on my fab bids he wasn't even on my conditionals Tyler Naquin went for 400 in 412 leagues as high as 476 as low as a dollar I put some like keep them honest bids out there for like thirty one bucks and stuff. I think I won them in like one league. Didn't even start them this week. I just I just like I'm gonna I'm gonna grab them just in case, but I'm not running to to play them everywhere. But some people really wanted to apparently looking at the prices. And so far on Monday and Tuesday, Jesse Winker's back and starting and leading off every day. And Tyler Naquin has not left the pine. So this is a very shady situation. And Shogo Akiyama eventually is going to come back, which makes it even more entertaining there for for Naquin. Um, I don't have a whole lot to say besides oops. Um, what what do you have on this one, Toby? Yeah, I mean, it's tough, right? Because the bids are in and people have already done this, but these are the ones you need to, you need to steer clear of. You know, yeah. I mean, they can sometimes work out. The thing about all of these is they can sometimes work out. But this one just had red flags all over it, right? I mean, Naquin, he's always been a platoon guy. He was going to be a platoon guy with the Reds. He was only in because of Winker. Um, and and so this is one where it's just like having that situational awareness, having that contextual and awareness of what's happening on a given team. 
can prevent you from wasting a significant amount of, of fab dollars. That's not to say like, like you mentioned, a lower bid wasn't worth it just because he was, he was on fire, you know, I mean, he was just absolutely crushing it. But yeah, you got his best wig of the season is done and you're not really going to be able to bank any of that. And so I think this, it's a good lesson just in terms of regardless of how excited we are about a player or what we see them do in a given week, we need to make sure that we're, we're viewing them in context about what's, what's happening, like where are they going to hit in the lineup, how frequently are they going to be in the lineup, asking ourselves all those questions just to make sure that we aren't you know, going after – because these are the ones that really hurt, right, where they don't really give, even give you a shot uh, to be successful. Yeah, no, I'm 100% with you there. It's a, it's a tough one. It's like one of those, though, if you can hold them, I'd hold them until they play an American League team and you get DH, but that's still going to be a little while, so it's you might not be able to hold them. But I will say, if he does go on the waiver wire, it'd be like a week early when they do face a DH because you might get a week of Tyler Naquin. You never know. He could be a cheap acquisition. But uh, right now, it's, it's not great, Bob. Not great. but So we'll see. You never know. Injuries can happen, and he can slide right back in there again. So just kind of cross your fingers. Um, the next one, though, this one I, I like a lot. This was a fun discussion topic because I kind of played the troll card, like everyone's going to break the bank. But then Kenley Jansen got a save on Sunday and looked absolutely amazing doing it, like looked like the old Kenley. So it lowered Corey Knable's price a little bit. Still went in 404 leagues, third most in all of – there's only three guys over 400. There was these three, and then the next one's 268. So these were the, the clear three main targets – on fab can able for his highest 342 as low as a dollar i think in my tgfbi TGFBI league it was like 260 something which was way out of what i was doing i put like 60 to 70 dollar bids on him for the reason and then i'll let you have the floor i still believe kinley's the closer 100 because dave roberts talked about giving him rest but that quote there says there will be chances probably they're gonna win so many games there's gonna be chances once maybe even twice a week where can gets a chance to close or gets a chance for late innings and wins, similar to Jose Alvarado, who I absolutely love, and I still play almost every week because of what he can bring. Ratios, strikeouts, potential wins. Canable could get you 10 saves by the end of the year, and you wouldn't be shocked. And that could be huge on this season. So I was good with the bids here. I still wouldn't break the bank. Toby, what were your thoughts on Corey Canable being a hot acquisition target? Yeah, I mean, one thing I like, I think you explained it very well. Um, I think the one thing, too, to like about Canable is – He's a good enough reliever where, like you mentioned, he can help you even if he's not getting saves. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at what he's doing right now, um, you know, and again, it's early, 15.7% swinging strike rate. But we've seen him do this before, right? In 2017 and 2018, he had 39.5% and 40.8% strikeout rates. So he's gotten 40% strikeouts, in you know, before, right? So, and, and he's, he's doing it, you know, I mean, he's got 42.9% Ks so far, you know, his walk rate is down at 7.1%. Um, you know, he's just, he's being, he's being dominant. He's getting more chases outside the zone than he ever has again, 4.1 innings. So it's a small sample. He has yet to give up a batted ball that has fallen for a hit and he has a hundred percent strand rate, right? So these things can and and will change, but, you know, he, he's a very, very good uh, reliever. And so I think with that being said, you know, I don't think you can start him every single week, but he's a really nice guy to have in there to plug in. If if you just can't get, um, if you just can't get a matchup that you feel comfortable with having your starting pitching in, 
His velocity is up two miles per hour from where it was last year, 96.5 compared to 94.4. It's closer to his 2017 and 2018 numbers. So again, you know, he looks like he's legit in terms of being able to be a dominant reliever again. And that's always helpful to have. The question is just going to be negotiating your roster. and Can you hold on to a guy like that for an extended period of time? You know, or, um, you know, will you have to move on from him? And again, he's Kenley insurance. So if, if Kenley, you know, the Dodgers are going to win a lot of games, like you mentioned. So if they get two in a row or three in a row, you know, he's going to get an opportunity uh, potentially um, there. And then if something were to happen to Kenley, which is not out of the question, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to love him. I mean, uh, you're going to love having on your team. So um, I can understand it. Not that huge bids again, but like if you can get him for 60, yeah, to 60 to 60 to 70 bucks or whatever it was, my bids were lower than that, but um, yeah. Okay, my question for you because I I think Canable was the guy I was I was good with. Once people lowered their expectations, that's why I was trolling. They're like, "Oh, he's the new closer." I'm like, no, he's not, guys. Like, calm down. As long as Kenley can throw a baseball, he is the closer in LA. Like, that's just the way it's going to go. Um, would you rather have spent if you're going to make a big bid this past week? Would you rather have spent it on Canable or Trevino? Oh, Trevino. Yeah. Trevino. Yeah. Just because of the saves. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, my my bids were like I think I was like forty four bucks for Trevino and uh, like fourteen or eleven or something like that for Knievel. So I probably knew I probably wasn't going to get him, but I, I had some other guys in mind. Yeah, no, I saw your tweet. We will discuss them here here pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. I think he's he's a good move, and it's kind of something we, we've talked about before. I think people should start looking at it. if you don't want to spend a ton of money, that's fine. Find those. If they are in a committee or at least eighth inning guys that are going to get you the ratios and everything else that can be productive. Like I, I always mention Alvarado, but he's got two wins, a save, great ratios and strikeouts. If he continues like on a close to that path, that's going to be a solid guy. And like you said, you don't have to play him every week, but there's so many weeks now in baseball where you're like, well, I have there's there's no set closer. I'd rather play him than some one of those other relievers that have like bad matchups. Like they're going up against the Dodgers and the Padres. I don't want to use this guy. Okay, I'll use I'll use Knebel or Alvarado, or I only have one two star guy, and then I have two starters that are like one's going to Coors and one's going. Yeah, I'll use the reliever situation. So they're nice to have on this mm-hmm. weird and wacky season, and it's not just those guys. There's going to be a bunch of them. Like go look at Greg Jewett's chart. You can kind of pick different situations there, and then go dig deeper. Obviously, in the stats, but it's something I'd really emphasize now and get them now while they're cheap because they're going to keep going up. So if you're doing your fab, like Toby's got a couple guys that he he threw some bids on, and he got them for dirt cheap. Get them now because if they do hit, they're going to cost a lot more, obviously. So see what you can do there. All right, the next one here, and this one's fun because I didn't know what to do with him after spring training, Akil Badu. But my goodness, he just keeps hitting. He went deep on Monday, went deep again on Tuesday. The dude is just really, really good. He's batting eight. He's all over the lineup, which is odd. But he went in 268 leagues, as high as 423, as low as a dollar. I like him. I got him in a couple leagues, but they were leagues where he went way, way, way cheaper because I wasn't breaking the bank either. But I'm concerned on two things, Toby. I'm concerned on playing time because I still think there's going to be potential committee situations there. And he's still so young. Like I'm waiting for the roadblock to happen. So what's your thoughts on Akil Badu, who's taking the world by storm, but is it sustainable? Yeah, I mean, I was not really – he wasn't available in most of my leagues. Um, I wasn't that interested. I do want to give a shout-out. I can't remember who it was, but there was somebody on our uh, bold predictions who was super into Badu, 
And um, uh, just shout out to shout out to them. I, I don't have you have your t- your handle in front of me, but just a shout out for being uh, be, being prescient there and in seeing what what we could not see. I think when we looked over it. That being said, I mean, I think this is one of those ones where it starts out really hot and then peters out a little bit. Um, you know, so some things to be uh, concerned about. Number one is where he's batting in the lineup, but. You know, 63.4% contact rate, uh, 38.3% O swing. So he's swinging at everything and he's not making a ton of contact. Now, those can help each other, right? Because he's not making a lot of contact, but he swings so much that he makes it more frequently. Um, but, you know, that 19% strike, um, strikeout rate seems uh, seems low. Uh, and, and I think that will boost up. I mean, the bat has him for 31% the remainder of the season you know, 213 batting average. Steamer has made some changes to projection. They have him at 240, you know, and so if that's the case, if he can hit 240, then I think he could potentially uh, bring you some, uh, bring you some love, you know, because of the power speed combination. I think that's going to be the major question is as pitchers start to get familiar with him, um, then, you know, figuring out, you know, they're going to figure him out a little bit and he's going to have to adjust back and, and we'll see if that, if he can do that. But, you know, we've seen it many times where guys come out super hot and they have those profiles where they're streaky guys and they hit it, they hit it good to begin with. And all it takes is a week uh, of, of that catching up to them and, and it's not looking so hot. So who knows if that will happen with Badu? I still think that there are underlying concerns with the profile, but there are generally underlying concerns with the profile for any player that's on the waiver wire right now. So uh, not a bad little, 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 uh, uh, attempt. I mean, I think the key is trying to get these guys a week ahead. If you, if you can, you try to stay away from, from paying the hundred, $200 bids, you know, for guys that have holes, I think the size that he does, but um, yeah. Yeah. We'll have to see how it goes. I guess the, like, the good thing he's got going for him, which could also be a real pain for a fantasy manager is he's a rule five pick. So he has to stay on the roster. He doesn't have to start, but he has to stay on the roster. So he'll be there in Detroit. So they can send him down. And secondly, they really don't have any reason not to let him play and see what they have. So then it becomes a point of, okay, he's still playing every day, but he's slumping. This is going to be frustrating to sit him on my bench because I spent so much money on him. So you have to have like that willpower to be like, you know what, just go sit in the corner and we'll talk to you in a little bit. So uh, it'll be fun to watch. I hope I hope he doesn't slump, but I'm with you. I, we've seen it time and time again. Pitchers will make their adjustments. We'll see how – like uh, on Wednesday he faces Lance McCullers in that curveball and now that new slider he has. I want to see how Akil Badu does. Like yeah. I'm really, really intrigued by something like that. Cause that that's filthy stuff you have not seen in the minor leagues. Yeah. So, so show me, show me how you can hit that, and then we can, uh, it, then, then I'll be impressed. It'll be interesting. Although Lance has to throw some strikes too. Yes, this is true. He this has to true. throw some strikes, not to Badu necessarily, because he's going to swing regardless. Yes. Uh, so your point is very well taken there. But I was diving into Lance McCullers a little bit, and whew, we'll see. We'll see if he can throw some strikes. You know who what his profile looks like right now is 2020 Tyler Glasnow, who's now made a big adjustment in 21 because he can find the strike zone again. But Glasnow. Um, yeah, Glasnow and Burns are going to be the death of me. Glasnow for me for sure. Like Burns, I just I'm not going to be mad about Burns until he pitches way over the innings because that like it's fine. He's supposed to be doing this right now. We we admitted he's good, but it's the innings that was a concern. So once we get to that point, we'll talk. But um, he's really good. Though. Yeah, he's very good. He's very very good. Glass now is the one that I'm already very, very wrong on. I have a feeling <laughs> that one's that one's stinging. Uh, you want to know something? 
Yes. This is what happens. This is oh, what yeah. happens, right? Well, you can't you know? be right on everybody. You can't be right on everybody. You can't be wrong on everybody. Well, you could, I guess theoretically you could be wrong on everybody, but um, <laughs> but that's the thing is you take you make you have information ahead of you. You make mm-hmm. your best guess about what's going to happen. Sometimes you're wrong. Sometimes you're right, and you just got to hope that maybe you're right a little bit more than you're wrong, and it and it ends up for the better. And remember, we can't use 10 game sample sizes. So why am I using a three game start? I don't know. I don't know. There you go. That, so we're, we're going to roll with that. I mean, there are still people who don't think uh, Shane Bieber's that good. You know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, pretty, pretty darn good. Zach Plesak on the other hand. No, it's good. Um, yeah. Right. Bieber. I look forward to the, to Cleveland playing anybody, but the tigers, you know, yeah. Savale with his two tigers starts to start. Plesak with his two tigers starts to start. This is well, just my bitterness. This is just my please, bitterness. Please. And look at that. We mentioned Plesak and, and Dave McDonald shows in the chat. up in, in the, the chat. chat. It's like a bat it's like signal. He's got, he's got like ears to the pods. You know, he's just like, just like, like sonar. And every time somebody says like the intonation of Plesak, he's just like. Yeah. The problem is I, I hope he heard the intro of, you praising Bieber before the police act comment. <laughs> so it was like, yeah, you, there, yeah. there was love. There was love before the, the hey, so we'll see. Well, he faces the white. And I share, there, so share a love for Shane Bieber. I had Shane yeah. Bieber in half of my main events last year too. So we are, we are, uh, we are, we share that love. I'll go, I'll follow that love with you, Dave McDonald, just not the police act and, and Savala love quite yet. Although I'm like, like on glass now and burns, I will inevitably be unbelievably wrong on it. So yeah, we'll see what happens. But uh, this one surprised me, Toby. Like I put like maybe eleven dollar bids in on Johnny Cueto just because he's eating innings up. He looks decent in all West. But we'll, we'll see what happens here. Wasn't running to get him. It was literally if I got no one else and I needed a, a, a live arm, I was going to get Johnny Cueto this past week. Well, he went in two hundred and fifty eight leagues as high as one hundred and seventy eight dollars. First off, I'd like to talk to the man or person, human being that spent $178 on Johnny Cueto because as much of a Giants fan as I am, no. But um, let's let's not talk about price here. He almost went complete game in his last start, looked decent in his first start. Are you buying into him being like a fantasy option this year? Because I still think he's only streamable, but that's just me. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think it's definitely more streamable. I mean, I think the, the one thing um, – that I have noticed, like there was, in, there has been an improvement in skills. Like the swinging strike rate up is up. I want to say his velo is up at least a little bit, or maybe not. It's ninety-one-five. At least I'm seeing here on Fangraph. So maybe I'm wrong with that. Um, maybe it's the the cutter. I don't know. I was diving into him, uh, and, and I didn't like. I wasn't scared by what I saw. Like I definitely wasn't worried. Like I have been in past years, and the fact that he pitches. Um, and I'm just going to call it Candlestick Park. Is that okay? Am I allowed to still do that? You, I just you call it whatever you want. It, yeah. yeah. Anything works. Okay, cool. Um, at Candlestick, uh, he still pitches there, so it's nice. Um, but, yeah, not somebody – I just don't think he has the upside that that you want to spend a lot of lot of money on, yeah. you know? Um, yeah, no. So he, He's definitely a streamable guy. Some two-star weeks will be great, but – like he he literally is a smoke and mirrors long go game tying homer boom, um, but uh, it's it's that 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 hurts and it also feels good because well, I have off a of, lot of long go although I don't know if I have them in my lineups. This yeah, what, it wasn't off of Castillo though; it just blew the. Wind. Oh, it wasn't. It was, it was, no, it's off of Doolittle. Oh, Doolittle, great. 
Great. <laughs> the guy picked up for saves attempts is pitching in like the sixth inning and blew the victory yeah, for but, uh, my guy, Castillo. Yeah, Quato, Quato, not on board with that. But this next one I am curious about, this lefty, I was like – I remember I've been a fan of him as like a late round pick with the Mets for years. And people are like, oh, you're crazy. You're crazy. And most of the time I was. I get it. But Steven Matz with the Toronto Blue Jays has looked pretty darn good to start the year. At least six innings in both starts. One earned run in both starts. Four Ks in the one and nine Ks in the other. Nine Ks against Texas. That helps. But he's looked pretty good in his first two starts. Um, a lot of people were going to the waiver wires to add him this past week. As high as $257 to be uh, precise. Uh, I was trying to get some mats, but I didn't get any anywhere. Are you buying into this new Steven Matz? Because he looks like the guy we kind of hoped he would be at one point in time. Yeah, I mean, I definitely was interested. He kept the velo bump that he that he had last year, so he's close to 95 from the left side. You know, um, even last year, like, things don't look great, right? Like, 341 Babbitt, 58.6% strand rate, a 9.68 ERA in 30 innings. But in those 30 innings, he also had 36 strikeouts, you know, in those 30 innings. He had a strikeout minus walk rate of 18.3%, swinging strike rate of 10, 10.4%. And he's actually a guy that generally gets more called strikes, I think, than averages. Now I can check because it's right here on, on yeah. Fangrass. Isn't that like... So cool. Everything's coming into one place. Yeah. yeah so yeah. like a 27.5% CSW. So not great. Um, but yeah, so I was definitely interested. Um, I was definitely interested in him um, put in some bids, but where he was available, he was just available in 12 teamers. I think in one 12 yeah. teamer that I had. Uh, so, you know, so far so good. Again, we've seen the, the, the question is going to be, can he avoid those absolute implosions, right? Where he gives up eight, runs in one inning. Those are the types of games he needs to avoid, but the underlying metrics certainly, um, you know, are certainly helpful. I think the key will be the the home runs too. Just looking at his home runs per nine, 4.11 last year, one, five, two, one, four, six, one, six, two, the last few years. So if he can keep the ball in the ballpark, um, you know, that'll be a real beneficial for him, but We'll see. The ground ball rate is at fifty-five percent this year too, so far, which is which is so nice. The sinker's working, but and that also adds to the Babbitt situation as well. So that's big. And Dave McDonald does make a great point because it is the American League East. The schedule is going to be brutal, very, very brutal for Stephen yeah. Matz. Uh, the question I have for you is his teammate, who people were, were high on coming in this year as well, uh, Robbie Ray. He threw five innings, only gave it two runs, yeah. three walks, three strikeouts against the Yankees. I got a lot obviously. of Robbie Ray. Would you rather have Ray or Mats? I'd rather have Ray than Mats. Can you explain why? Yeah, I mean, I think with Ray, the velo bump is legit. Like it's two, two about two miles per hour from previous years. I think we've seen um, we've seen from Ray, even when he is not. Like as, as long as you understand who he is and what he's done in the past, he's had he had one really bad year last year where the walk rate was just absolutely atrocious. He's always going to have an elevated uh, walk rate. He's never going to have a great whip. But a guy that that if he's healthy, he's going to get you two hundred plus strikeouts, yeah. um, and maybe even you know two fifty, and that's going to be hugely valuable. I think. Um, and so, and I think with the two mile per hour 
velo uptick, like that could be absolutely massive. So I think the ceiling is very, very high. And I think the floor for both of them is very, very low. And so as long as you, as you built your staff kind of trying to recognize that, like with a lot of my teams, it's like, I had my aces, right. So I have like a, a Bieber and then, you know, another like top, you know, 15 guy. And then I had maybe like Zach Granke, who, you know, he's been okay so far this year, but a really good whip guy. Um, and then maybe a Sean Manaya, who in the past has been a really good whip guy because he doesn't walk a lot of people. You know, if you built it like that and then you add on a Ray, then you have a little bit of a cushion built in there. Um, obviously, we'll see what happens. But I really do. I really think Ray could be absolutely phenomenal uh, this yeah. year. I don't hate that. Like Ray's stuff, I believe, is much better than Matt's. I'll, I'll, I've said it on many shows before. I'll never forget sitting behind home plate for the Diamondbacks Giants game and watching Ray pitch. And his stuff was so good, but he had no command. And that's why his walk rate so high. It was one of those I'm watching it sitting there going, if he could ever just command his pitches. Like his, when he was on, his movement was all really, really good. But he's got to figure that out. So maybe the increased velocity and stuff you're talking about will be the trick. Um, we'll see. But I, I would like to see it from Robbie Ray because the talent's there. But uh, the next guy we want to talk about, Tim LaCastro. Went 211 leagues as high as 178. Um, we could say... It's kind of a Tyler Naquin thing. The playing time's there right now, but it could leave when Gatel Marte comes back and whatnot. Still, the Castro at least was on radars in draft season for a stolen base upside. Got another steal on Tuesday. He has three stolen bases so far this year while hitting 268 and a 348 uh, OBP, which is great for a leadoff hitter. It's just the playing time should, on paper, dry up whenever Gatel Marte comes back, but that's a big who knows. So, what's your thoughts on uh, maybe Tim LaCastro for the next, let's say, couple weeks or so? Yeah, I mean, I think he's a great pickup, hitting hitting leadoff too, right? So so he can accumulate some stats. I think, again, this is where the bid amount is so critical, right? We talk about, like, do you bid, bid on a guy or not? Like, if you're throwing down 178 on LeCastro, I think you're hoping that he's with you the rest of the year. And that could be the case. I mean, it's not like they have stunning depth, you know, with, with the D-backs. But with um, Calhoun back, with Peralta there, you know, with Cattell Marte there and no DH – it, it's really difficult um, to see that happening on a, on a consistent basis for him. So it's more like if you were able to get him on a relatively cheap bid, um, then I think that that's great. But if you're spending 178 bucks or a hundred plus on him, I just don't know if that's going to be worth it. And really you, you need those stolen bases for him to, to give you something because he's not going to hit for power. He's not going to get RBI. You know, may get a little bit of runs, you know, um, and, and may help you with his batting average a little bit, but you really want him to get those stolen bases. So he's fairly one dimensional. Um, yeah. Though, though, as I mentioned before, he can accumulate hitting at the top of the order for a little bit. Yeah. hundred percent with you there. I, I liked him going into this year if the, the playing time was there, but that was not going to be there obviously. So he's intriguing now. Just another guy. And just, I, I scratch my head sometimes wondering what are we doing here people? But uh, Hey, Maybe you'll win the league, so who knows? Get those four or five steals, and it could be a game changer. You never, never know. Um, I'm not going to talk too much on this one, but Dom Nunez, if he's still available in your leagues and you need a catcher, please grab him. Like, for crying out loud, he gets home runs at a catcher's position, and he's playing more than Elias Diaz these days. So 
yeah, that's that. The Elias Diaz fan club was short-lived. Yeah, I was a yeah. member of that. Me too, me too. I was a, a, a flag bearer, and I have already – I've gone full like NWO in wrestling, and I, I've, I've ripped my shirt off, <laughs> and I have Dom Nunez, and I'm, I'm walking down the aisle. So it's yeah. – uh, yeah, it's happened. You can't you can't be loyal in, uh, in fantasy no. baseball. Yeah, outside of baseball. I should have done like that, that this week. Yeah, I have been one one, and I missed out on Tucker Barnard. I wanted Tucker yeah. Barnard. But, yeah. Yeah, I pretty much Elias Diaz and John uh, Stallings shares are all gone for Barnhart or Nunez everywhere right about now. So that has happened. The, the guy I want to talk about, though, another lefty. The lefties are, are ablaze right now. He's a two-star pitcher this week, so that's one reason why I got picked up quite a bit. And that's Wade Miley, 198 leagues, $121 max. Uh, he threw five shutout against the Giants on uh, Monday, five, five innings. He's done 11 total innings so far this year, four hits, no runs, two walks, nine strikeouts. And, yes, I didn't stutter. That is Wade Miley we are talking about here. So, you know, he's he actually looked decent. I, I, I thought he got pulled early on Monday against the Giants. That was the TJ Anton show came in there for a bit. I don't know. He looks he looks good. And if they're going to kind of take care of him and not let him go too long and get beat up, he's intriguing. What are your thoughts on Wade Miley? Yeah, I mean, I was definitely interested in Miley. I put in some bids. I, I may have gotten him in one place, maybe, but I, I actually think I'm lying there. I don't think I ended up getting him anywhere. I mean, early season returns are good. You know, again, all small sample, you know, things aside, swinging strike rates up at 12.6%. 17.9% K minus walk rate. He's generating a really high O swing, especially for himself. Again, early on, in zone contact rate is also nice. So these are just kind of the things that I look at and kind of check off. And he was checking them all off heading into uh, Monday. Um, and then I think, you know, he's generating a ton of ground balls, 60% plus at this point in time. He's been a better pitcher since he developed that cutter. I mean, if you look at like just his past four years, right, he was bad last year in 14 innings. But in the season before that, you know, 398 ERA, right? 134 whip isn't necessarily ideal, uh, but it's something you can live with in today's uh, in today's game. Even before that, you know, 2.57 uh, ERA, 121 whip in 80 innings uh, with Milwaukee. So he's been serviceable in the past. And so I think it's weeks like this where he's got those two matchups where, you know, he can be beneficial. I don't think you should be kind of committed to – keeping him on your team for the long haul, but just use him for this week and, and, and use him for those nice matchups and, and hope you kind of get the, the good end of it uh, before it goes a little bit South um, and some of the, you know, regression naturally happens. But um, yeah, I mean, there's, I think there was a lot worse ads than Wade Miley this week. All right. That, that, that answers my other question is, do you just dump him after this week and, and get another two start guy or do you hang on? I guess it's all, team dependent obviously on, on what you have available but um it feels like he's yeah he's not a guy to trust every week type thing so i'm with you there yeah the next one though is a fun name who has been kind of uh, taking the, the the fantasy world by storm over the last couple of days he oscar Yanoa, six shutout or one run sorry one run 10 k's against the marlins on monday he threw five shutout against the nationals with five k's back on the seventh and those are his two starts so far this year. He's got a great strikeout rate. Um, the ERA is 0.75. The XFIP's 202. FIP's 223. So he's not like crazy, crazy out of line. The overall numbers look good. I know Michael Simeone was pounding the drum on his stuff, and some other guys that no pitching have been pounding the drum. He's the most searched guy on Fangraphs right now. I can tell you wow. that much. Um, I mean, lock it in, then, right? 
are, are you in? That's the question because let me get the final stats here. He was added in 193 leagues as high as $145, I think mainly for the two the two start approach, but are you in maybe a little long term with him? Yeah, I mean, it's super interesting. I, I'm kind of kicking myself a little bit here um, because I did not, um, you know, I, I I don't think I did my formal due diligence on you know uh, in the, in the wire. Just uh, you know, just a mistake. Uh, but two two mile per hour velocity increase. He's thrown 97 after 95. Uh, last year, you mentioned the slider has been a, a really effective pitch for him. So I think I'm generally bought in. Like, I think he can be really good. I mean, 97 miles per hour is elite velocity. And when you're combining that with, um, you know, with what he's been able to do with the slider, I mean, that's a really nice, uh, it's a really nice combination there. 14.6% swinging strike rate, 30.2% K minus walk rate. You know, again, just all really good stuff, and he's getting chases outside the zone. I think that'll be very, very key for him because where he's struggled in the past is with the walks, right? Like um, career 10.1% walk rate. So if he can keep that O swing up there and limit the walks by getting people to chase outside the zone, I think that will be really important for him because he's falling behind hitters 51.2%. First pitch strike rate, he does not throw the ball in the zone all that often and never really has. And so that O swing, I think, will be a really key indicator for whether he's going to be successful or not moving forward. But certainly has my attention, and he's pitched really well. And, I mean, he's got some of the pieces that you need to be effective. I mean, anytime you're throwing 97 and then you also have an effective uh, secondary pitch, um, you know, and, and I guess two so far this year. Um, you know, it's definitely, it's definitely of interest, but again, we're two games into the season. So we got to keep our, we got to keep our jets cool, if you will. But for the people who picked him up last week for cheap or the week before that for cheap, you know, hats off to them because that's where you can really, you know, that's where it's really a boon is when you're able to, um, to do that. Yeah. If you did that, you're already winning. So that, that's a good thing. Um, I am intrigued with him. It's still, you know, you got some tougher, um matchups coming up like maybe going to philadelphia the nats aren't a joke with you know getting bell and schwarber back there's going to be some tough offenses in that east we talked about that in the season previews it's not the easiest division to pitch in but still he doesn't have to face the braves that was one of the tough ones so that, that that's a good start there and he's still you know he'll get his central matchups and a couple of nice west ones i think he's intriguing I'd, I'd much rather have him than uh say like wade miley i'll say that much for sure it's probably not like that's not like shocking news um, would you rather have Yanoa than Steven Matz? Um, hmm. That's a tough one. This weekend, it was certainly uh, yeah. Matz. Um, that's a tough one. I may. I might lean, you know, just because of the division. Yeah. You know, not that the NL East is easy, but he's in the NL. Definitely not the AL East. And the AL East is is rough. (laughs) I mean, what's interesting, one of the things I was just thinking about today is just last year, the the Centrals were just such a key place for pitchers. And it's looking exactly the same. I mean, it's not even worse. Like, you look at the offenses in some of these places are just – horrendous you know you look at Woodruff trying to get a win and Bieber trying to get a win and 
Um, you know, it's, it's been rough, you know, and that's just, that's all anecdotal. I've not done the analysis that I'm sure others have, but it's just striking me that, that, that that's going to be another theme for this year. Yeah. It'll be something to monitor, but yeah, it looks, it looks like it's going to be a, a thing for sure. So it'll be interesting to see what, you know, keeps doing, uh, be fun to monitor. If not at worst, I played him for six, as a six K SP two last night. So that was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, this one's good. And if Dave McDonald's still in the chat, no, I would never draft Jed Lowry, Dave. I understand the, the problems there, but I will add him for fab knowing I can get him for cheap and drop him when I need to. Um, I saw enough going into the weekend that he, he looks healthy enough. He's going to play right. He's going to hit third for the A's. I love Kana. I have Lori, Loriano hitting one and two. So I'm, I'm, I'm all about this. Lowry went in 186 leagues as high as 149. Uh, he went two for five on Tuesday with another home run. He's got two homers on the year, 11 runs batted in. Uh, he's not going to steal bases. Hate to break it to people, but his OBP is great. He's just playing really well right now. So I'm a fan of running, enjoying while he's hot. What about you, Toby? Yeah, I mean, Lowry is super serviceable. I mean, if you think about the last time he was on the A's, he was service, serviceable from a fantasy perspective. He's hitting third in that lineup. It's a very good lineup. It's a very good top of that lineup. I mean, Kana is an OBP stud. Loreano is just Loreanoing it uh, right now, which I'm I'm thoroughly enjoying uh, right so now with, bases. With, with, with the number of times I have him. I mean, he just looks like a man possessed. Uh, so just a really nice spot for him to be in. Like you mentioned, he's really good at OBP. I'm just I'm destroying myself because in a 20 team dynasty league, right? So really deep rosters. He was available on the waiver wire that first that first week. And it was a brutal week, you know, it was just tons of time spent on fab. And I had him as my highest guy dollar wise, but you know how in fan tracks, like you have to put them in order that you want them. I had Lurie Garcia higher up than Lowry. And so somebody else in my league, Brian Slack of all people got him for a lower dollar amount. I think I was actually at like a hundred and something for him, a lower dollar amount. But because I didn't swap, I mean, it's my own fault because I didn't swap the fab, um, the, the rankings in my fab and have them in the right order and go back and check it. I, I, I lost out on him, um, which is really sad. So anyways, I think he's very serviceable, 15-team league. Um, you know, he's going to get played appearances. He's going to play every day. He's in, the, in a prime spot in the lineup. That's what you're looking for. And he's skilled. He's a, he's a skilled hitter when he's healthy. Yeah, I'd even be willing to throw out 12-team leagues if you need like a middle infielder or something. I think he's very viable right now with all the injuries out there. Um, like I'm in a 12-team tw- league that I have so many injuries. Like Colton Wong just went down. I have Colton Wong and Tim Anderson both down. And I'm sitting there going, I need a second baseman, a middle infielder. I'm all over the place. Lowry fits the mold like he does because it's weird with so many IL spots and stuff these days. And, and like Because obviously NFPC doesn't have IL spots. But a lot of other leagues have IL spots. I, I've had this argument with people before the season started. I think you should have shorter benches. If you want to have more ILs, that is what it is. But you should have shorter benches so you still have good talent on the waiver wire. Like when you start stretching all this out, there's nothing there. At least if you have a deep IL, when you have to take them off, you have to drop a good player still. Like it's, it's just something to think about for the future people. Like if you're in leagues wondering who to pick up, in a 12-team league, you should still have decent options. Like not great, but decent. And I'm in some leagues where you have none which is, it makes it no fun. It really doesn't. Yeah. So something to think about going forward. 
Um, last one we're going to talk about here, another closer. We're going to wrap. We're going to start with closers and end with closers. Might be a weekly thing. Uh, Yimmy Garcia of the Miami Marlins. Anthony Bass, no good this year. He's going fishing. Uh, 170, 183 leagues for Yimmy Garcia. 433 max. One men. How much would you have spent on Yimmy Garcia if you had the choice? Well, I'll tell you, Bubba. Um, I, my my biggest bid of the year so far was on Yimmy Garcia in in, in two online championships, uh, two OCs. I bid two fourteen for him in one, which was a massive bid. But I'm a big Yimmy Garcia fan, even though I had Anthony Bass everywhere. That was much more because I felt like he was the closer. I think Yimmy Garcia is a better pitcher. I think he's probably the best pitcher in that bullpen. And so I felt comfortable bidding a lot. I don't know if comfortable is the right word, but I actually already have two closers in that league. Um, and my team has started off doing really well. And I just felt like if I could get this third closer and really run up the saves early on in the season, it could give me a lot of flexibility down the stretch. So I went 214 for him there. I think I bid another one was like 194 and I lost out on him um, in, in another OC, which is fine. Uh, so I was willing to go a decent amount and a 15 teamer, it would have been less probably, um, or maybe about the same amount, but he wasn't available in any of my, in, in any of my 15 teamers. Uh, I just really like the pitcher, uh, Yumi Garcia. And I think the situation is nice and we've already seen him, you know, he got the, the win the other, he got a save and then he got the win the other day and he pitched really well, got him out of a jam and then, you know, faced the heart of their lineup in, in extra innings. It did really well. So uh, I'm a, I'm a Yumi Garcia fan. I, I anticipate he's going to hold on to that game for an extended period. Yeah, I'm with you. I I know in like DC's best balls and stuff. I was grabbing them late in the in the difference. They're like once Bass got signed with the Marlins, we were grabbing Bass where we could. But late rounds, uh, Yumi was one of those. When we we talked about it on previous shows, um, a lot of those second options on teams to grab late, Yumi was definitely one. I'm pretty sure you probably have a fair share somewhere in in your DCs. I, I would assume. But, I, have a, um, I have a few, not as not as yeah. many. Um, hey, well, maybe other people sniping you. You playing some sharp leagues because I know we talked about it. like that was one of the like handful of guys to kind of target late. So yeah, in my DCs, I miss out on pitchers that went like picks three hundred through like four twenty because I I was just by getting hitters there in every single league. So all of these. Gotcha like breakout starting pitchers like Trevor Rogers and stuff like that. I love them, but I only had like a couple shares because I was just trying to really build up the plate appearances um, with my hitters early there. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. So that'll wrap up the fab recap. Unless there was any other names that really stood out to you that I, I think there's like, I grabbed some Jose Marmolos and he went deep on Tuesdays. So I was happy with that. But mm-hmm. um, like there's, there's, there's guys, I guess basically team dependent type guys. But I didn't know if there's any game changers. Like, okay, the, well, one of these we'll talk about in a listener question, so I'm not too worried about it. Emmanuel Class A was probably 12 team only leagues because he was gone in all 15s. Um, anything else that stood out to you? Um, who closed it down for the for Cleveland today? Let me find out for you why I checked that out. Yeah. Um, I have a question for you. Are you a believer in Luke Weaver because he looked great in his last start? But I just can't buy into the man. I'm not, I, I wasn't really a, a okay. Weaver believer. Um, he, went, he went 135 leagues as high as $199. Yeah. Um, the guys that I went after this weekend, Hansel Robles, so you know, both of, the, both of the twins closers have struggled. 
uh, a little bit. And Robles has been lights out uh, 22, at least heading into the weekend. He had a 22.5% swing strike rate. Um, he was looking vintage Hansel Robles. And by vintage Hansel Robles, I just mean uh, 2019 when he was really good. Uh, but, you know, the change up, the fastball, the fastball velo is coming back. And he's clearly a trusted part of that bullpen. And so I'm excited about that spec more so than any of the other ones. Um, I also added a lot of Sean Doolittle just because Amir Garrett has struggled. He's got the arm issues. Sims hasn't been that good. Uh, he has the arm issues. And so, so I thought uh, Doolittle might be able to uh, get himself in there. His velo is back to where it was when he was really effective uh, with, uh, with, with the Nationals. Uh, unfortunately, today he gave up uh, two runs. Uh, including the lead for one of the pitchers that I have in quite a few leagues in Luis Castillo. Um, so who said that that speculating on closers can't be dangerous? I also speculate on Mike Wendelkin just, you know, because he was a super cheap alternative to Trevino. And then um, Ginkle as well. That's also been painful. He's given up three earned runs so far uh, this week in one and a third inning. So I wish that wasn't happening, but I'm getting a clearer sense of who, who who's closing material or not. What's super fascinating is just how recency bias impacts us. Like heading into fab last night, it was like I had Graveman pretty high up there. And then Montero comes in and closes the game out. And then I drop him in my fab bids, even though I don't really believe in Montero. And then, and then, you know, what blown happens? Save. He blows the blown save. <laughs> and now Graveman is like looking like the Holy Grail, you know? Yep. So it's just one of those things where things can just change so quickly. Like Wade Davis two weeks ago gets that save right before fab. And now he hasn't, he hasn't sniffed it since. And he's looked, he's looked atrocious. So um, yeah, it's just, this is the way it rolls and and you just got to go with the flow oh, and Bednar. I, I put some bids on Bednar. He also looks bad. He looked bad today. They made sense. I'll say that much. And he didn't break the bank for me either. It's like, okay, no. I, I spent a couple bucks. I can drop him and not even worry about it type things. It's yeah. so that's why and Bednar, like he's he had a pretty decent spring, if I remember correctly. Looked good early. He's had a little hiccup now, but no one in no one in Pittsburgh's really ran away with that thing yet. So it's gonna be someone eventually. Yeah. <laughs> why not? Right? We've talked about it time and time again. Like Wendelkin, Wendelkin could be that guy that's like a mini he's not canable because he's not gonna get saves, but could get you the ratios, the strikeouts, the wins, maybe luck into like four or five saves. Like you wouldn't be shocked in the end. Like it's very well, possible. Wendelkin's been a better pitcher than Trevino yes. throughout his career. Like he's exactly. been better on on the on most accounts, I think. Um, so yeah, it's just one of those things where you're doing this and you're just trying to figure it out. It's like, you know, like yesterday, Yoan Lopez in for the yeah. D backs looked like a great pickup and then today he gives up two two earned runs and loses the game for them um in the ninth in the ninth inning i think you know and so it's just like this is what it's like this is what speculating on closers is like and you just hope that you get that one that that you hit and settles in and you get it early enough where you can really benefit from it um that's what i'm really hoping happens i'm feeling okay about the robust one if not good i just feel like the world is kind of coming together you know like like the world wants the hansel gifts back wants the hansel yes and do. and it's doing anything in its in its power to get that so we're, we're getting laser eagle eyes we need some hansel gifts back we need both Eddie. And, we, and, we got, and we got one box burger like we already got one box burger so. we got one box burger 
Yeah. One box burger is is that was fantastic. You know, that was surprising. I had no idea. I had no I had idea. Done, I somebody, saw you tweet it out. I had to like look back, like what, where, totally. what? <laughs> um, yeah, uh, yeah. Brian Slack t- texted me and was like, like said something about it, and he's like, oh, he's like, oh my god. And I was like, I was like, oh, what is he talking about? And then I go back and I'm like, oh my god, Brad, Brad Boxberger got a save. <laughs> this is so 2018. Um, but yeah, I mean, um, yeah. Corinne, and, Corinne and got the save, by the way. Who got it? Corinne check. Corinne check did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Corinne check. I, clean I one innings, clean, no hits, no walks, one strikeout. I mean, the thing is, even Classe's last two have not looked great, you know? And one of the reasons I doubted him was because of the swinging strike rate, you know? And like, he hasn't been able to strike guys out in the past. He's looked really good, and that hasn't been a concern so far this year. So, um, could just be nothing, but. We'll see. It's going to be fascinating. It's going to be super interesting. Let's just hope Hansel Robles becomes the closer. Um, and the thing is, too, I think that's very interesting this year is the speculation is so hard on closers that, like, every potential closer is already on teams, yep. you know, like, weeks before they even enter into the contest. So, like, even on my guys, like, I ended up spending a pretty penny. Like, I think I got Doolittle, Robles, and – Bednar maybe on one team or somebody else, or maybe it was Ginkle on one team. And I paid like, I think my bids were like 14 bucks each. So I paid 42 for all three of them. And it already looks like two of them are really bad bids, you know, but one of them, you know, all I need is one for, to hopefully hit. Um, So yeah. So it's, it's been, it's been interesting for sure. And no doubt about that. All right. Let's hit some listener questions up here. we got some doozies as always. And we'll start with our boy, D Mendio to David Mendelson from the Triple Play Fantasy. What are Toby Pancakes and Cakey Smalls' thoughts on Jose De Leon? Back to back 9K games with great spin rates on his pitches, but also has allowed four home runs in two starts. So, Jose De Leon, he's a guy that I liked going into the season as a kind of a longer relief, uh, Peralta light potential type guy. You know, but uh, it's been a little, it's been good and bad, like he said. So, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, uh, I mean, it's very, very appetizing and tempting uh, for him. But I think the major problem I dropped him where I had him last week, and um, you know, I think the challenge is he doesn't have a rotation spot. You know, so he's now out of the rotation because Sonny Gray is coming back, and Hoffman may even be out too because they have Miley and then they have Lorenzen as well. You know, so I'm just not sure he's going to make it there. He could be really intriguing in the bullpen. The challenge with him is the home run issues are not new. I mean, his career, it's small sample stuff, but his career home runs per per nine is like 2.56. He's got poor control. He walks a lot of guys. So he's just um, very, very volatile and and also kind of hittable, which is not a good uh, combo. You know, if that fastball velocity was a few ticks higher – I mean, we'd be talking about really, really interesting guy, but he's not quite there yet. So I think it's fine to move on from him. Um, I just, you know, he's going to have those great starts and he's going to have absolute implosions. And we've already seen that so far this year. And those, those two starts he had were like the two best starts he'll probably have all year, given the matchups that he had. You hit on something though that, that I like about him. That's what I liked going into the year. I didn't think he'd be in the rotation to begin with. I like him to be that two to three inning like, kind of long man, like Peralta. That's what I, I like him for. 
I think that could be kind of effective if you want to go that route, kind of like a uh, a Kopech that we're seeing right now. Go give me two, maybe three innings, see where it goes, uh, get your strikeouts, see the lineup one time, stuff like that. Because even with the seven point seven ERA, Sierra is two eight one, his XFIP is two nine six. It's interesting. Uh, I won't say it's great, but it's interesting. He has given up a ton of barrels and a ton of hard hits. Uh, the home run to fly balls almost thirty seven percent. So yeah, there's, there's there's a lot of good and a lot of bad. When you look at Jose De Leon, that's like, hmm, okay. So can we can we get him for like two innings and maybe get like four strikeouts and see what happens, or and maybe sneak in a win here and there, or uh, are we just going to be in trouble? That that's what I'm intrigued by with him. So I, I'd keep an eye on him. I wouldn't say go roster him everywhere, but he's definitely a guy. If the situation starts to fit, like the way they use TJ Antone and stuff, if he could slide into that role type situation, I'd be I'd be much more intrigued with Jose De Leon. I didn't want him to start. Period. I didn't think he's ready to start this year, so. We'll see. All right. JB at beat Rick and Frank says, does John Gray have any value um, hold and hope he gets traded? So do you hold and hope he gets traded? So do you like John Gray at all? That's his question. Uh, No, not really. Uh, I I don't even think he's that good outside of Coors. You know, Coors Coors hasn't necessarily been his issue throughout his career. I think at least heading into last year, he actually had a better, better at Coors. Yeah. He was better at Coors than he was on the road. I just don't think he's a very good uh, pitcher at all. Um, he doesn't really have the strikeout stuff. He, you know, he gets very hittable. I just think I, there's just, I don't see a lot of upside with gray, so I'm not really interested now. Yeah, he gets traded to like the Dodgers, sure. But yeah, it, yeah if it's the right situation, everyone's everyone's got a price. But uh, his other question is: Zach McKinstry legit? Um, my concern with him is playing time. Like, sure, it's been cool. He hasn't proven it that long. Playing time, so no. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I mean, um, I think I was listening to the Prospect podcast with. Uh, Clay Link and, and James Anderson. One of the things is like with prospects, I mean, you're better, better off asking, I think those, those guys, um, you know, and it sounds like McKinstry is a guy who's always been able to hit. I don't think he does have two home runs so far this year, but I don't think they anticipate him having much power. Um, you know, his projection is for like five or six home runs in 250 plate appearances. So even if he got 500, you're looking at 12 home runs, doesn't really have a lot of speed. Um, and the batting average projection isn't that high, but I do think that he has a history of, of hitting pretty well in the, in the minors. Um, and so I think he's more like kind of hit tool over power or speed. And if that's the case, it's just really hard to do anything with that. He's also util only right now. Obviously he'll get, um, I think outfield eligibility soon. Uh, but so, I mean, maybe while he's getting plate appearances, cause he's with the Dodgers and like, Pretty much everybody in that lineup has some value, but it's really hard to know when he's going to be in the lineup and when you can take advantage of him. So I wasn't super interested. I didn't put any bets on him. No, he hasn't played in a couple of days. Mookie Betts came back on Tuesday and went deep. Um, playing time is going to be a very, very tough situation. He'll probably start once or twice a week since the Dodgers. That's what they do, rest people. But uh, when Belly comes back, it'll make it even tougher. So it'll just it's not worth it, in my opinion. His last question, any closer speculations that you're looking at, like, We've talked about this a few times. Most of them are rostered, like you said. Like Jose Cisneros, a guy for Detroit, I think you can keep taking looks at if you want. Um, yeah, he struggled, though, yesterday, and Soto came in and, and shut the door on the Astros. 
Um, I mean, I think Robles right now is kind of like my prime guy, Graveman, who we talked a little bit about. Um, I, I've been down on Gra- Graveman forever, but it actually looks, at least based on early skills, and it's so hard, so hard, so hard, so hard to know whether it's legit or not at this point. But he's got a velo uptick, and um, the slider has been really effective. I think it is so far this year, and that's what he's missed in the past is he actually hasn't really had either effective uh, fastballs or um, effective secondaries. So um, he's definitely interesting just because I think Montero is not very good. Um, so those are the two guys I think right now that I'd be most interested in. And I think the KC bullpen is still interesting. I mean, Holland got the save today, but I'd be interested in having now that Han is injured and Wade Davis isn't pitching well, him and Barlow, I think Barlow could be a really nice little closer spec there to pick up some saves. So yeah, it just, it all depends. Um, but those are, those are three guys that kind of stick out to me a little bit. Yeah, I was going to say Scott Barlow uh, a second ago. That's that's the guy I'm looking at. Uh, the last guy that I want to mention, and it's if you're depends on the size of your league, but if it's super super deep, Tyler Rogers has actually been decent out of the Giants bullpen. So he's a guy that, if some reason things get weird with McGee, also so far what's happened, it hasn't been Rogers, but I think the lefty righty thing can play into it at times when McGee's gotten breaks because of like just regular rest. Wandy Peralta's gotten the late innings. He's got a save already and a win. So if you're speculating on stuff like that, you could go there, but it's the Giants. I would get mm-hmm. too carried away. Hey, the uh, Giants are dope. Yeah, there's something. Uh, the next question, Dan the Goat asks, any concerns with young studs off the slow starts, Lourdes Gurriel and Juan Moncada aren't inspiring my infield with a lot of confidence right now? I'd say don't panic just yet, guys. Like It's still a little early for me with these two guys, but. That's the easiest way I can say it to you. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, give give them time. I mean, obviously, like, take a look. Um, oops, wrong, wrong Guriel. I mean, you always want to take a look and see what you think is is happening kind of underneath the, the hood for them. But the best thing to check right now is, like, a guy's Babbitt. You know, it sounds really ridiculous just to check their Babbitt. But, like, Guriel's Babbitt so far this year is 238. You know, career, it's 326. Yeah. So that's a ton of points of batting average he's missing out on right now. He's not hitting the ball hard yet, but again, like, you know, if he were to go four for four tomorrow with two barrels, all of a sudden he's looking, everything. you know, uh, a lot better. You know, the contact rate's down a little bit. You also want to remember, like, some of these teams have played good pitching repeatedly, you know, to start off the season. So I think it could be a lot of different things. I, I, I would definitely be patient. I mean, even if you look at Lourdes Gurriel, like his expected BA is 257 from 172. If he was hitting 257, he'd probably have a couple more runs, a couple more RBI, and we wouldn't be as concerned about him. Mkata, um, I don't have him in a lot of places, so I, I'm not, I haven't been looking super closely. Um, you know, the strikeout rate is elevated, but he's still walking. You know, BAPIP is lower than it usually is. Good O-swing. Contact rate is right where you want it to be. Hard hit rate is actually, you know, up a little bit. And again, it's it's up league-wide, so we have to be cognizant of that. Not hitting the ball all that great, but there's nothing that really concerns me there. Not that there's anything within within 40 plate appearances that would really concern me, but um, you know, I think that whole the whole White Sox team is is going to be really fascinating because I think they're very mediocre. Um, you know, with with the injuries that they've had and with the with the way they've been managing and just the guys they've had in the lineups, what their lineups have looked like. Like, 
Tony La Russa is going to manage that team into mediocrity and they're going to be like a 500 team uh, all season long because they're actually not that good when they lost those depth pieces. Like, especially there's so much swing and miss in that lineup, so much swing and miss in that lineup. Um, so yeah, anyways, that's a tangent. Yeah, no, that's that, that was the big reason with the White Sox that that was troubling for them is no depth at all, like zero depth. And Tony LaRusso isn't a moron. But um, that, that's a whole other way to say it. But, yeah, Lourdes, I think one thing with Lourdes that's been tough is he missed some times because of uh, the, the close contacts, I think, slash mm-hmm. um, slash um, uh, reaction to the vaccine. Yeah. So that, that could obviously have hampered his production for a couple of days as well. So I'm not worried about that kind of stuff, especially playing in Dunedin and in that lineup. Against some of those pitchers, you'll see, I think he's going to be just fine. Um, Drew at Fru underscore Dorte asks, thoughts on Aaron Hicks? Would you move on in a 12 with guys like LaCastro and Calhoun available? Well, Hicks went three for four tonight, so this is why you don't get too excited uh, right out the gate. Just going to throw that one out there. Um, he's always an injury oh, risk. Man. It's what Aaron Hicks does. Like, I get it. I would consider Cole Calhoun because I think he's actually very interesting, but I'd hang on to Hicks in the middle of that hit and third at the Yankees. I- I'm there for now. Yeah, Hicks, 158 Babbitt, you know? Yeah. Um. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's so fitting when things like that happen early on in the season, though, because we got a question about John Means. And granted, it was for a 10-teamer, right? Mm-hmm. So that's a very different story. But, you know, it was like, do I, do I drop John Means now? Because after the first inning, he had given up three runs, you know? And then what does he do? He throws four shutout innings, you know, five Ks and five innings pitched, you know, seven hits and walks, three earned runs. So not a great outing especially against, um, you know, the Mariners. But a fine outing, his, his ERA for the season is like 2-5 with a one, ER, one whip, you know, and more than a K per nine. Like, he's been fantastic so far this year. And people are, are want to move away from him after one inning, you know. So that's just an example where, like, a few innings can literally change, like, the way a player looks right now um, with how they're doing. So be patient. You know, wait these things out. Let that regression positive happen. Um, and, yeah. Yeah, uh, just be patient. Patience, patience, patience. Uh, Aaron R. at A. Greike says, at what point would you start stashing Wander Franco in 10 to 12 team standard leagues? I think the general consensus is that he's still a ways off, but I could not see it. I could see it happening soon. I wouldn't stash him at all. That's just me because I don't know where he's going to yeah. play. I don't know where he's coming up. But I don't, stash, I don't stash prospects very often. So it's a bad question for me. Yeah, I wouldn't either. I mean, the thing is, he, I think he's in. He's going to minor league camp, and that doesn't start until May. Yep. So you're still waiting a while, and and you know, obviously, he'll probably be really good when he comes up. But like Bubba mentioned, I, I'm not sure exactly where he plays. It also depends on how deep your bench is, right? If you have a great team and you have an empty bench spot, sure, why not uh, go with him? You know, I did. Um, I did Fab Logan Gilbert a bunch and some 15 teamers. Um, hoping that but he, there, but there's like a clear path for him. Like up. we've already said, he's coming up the pitch. Like we know that one's happening, but it's like he's gonna have a spot. Yeah, when Kalenic comes up, he's gonna have a spot. Like they're not gonna yeah. call him up about it. With Ronder Franco, like does Adamas go? Does Brandon Lau go? Does Wendell go? Like Yandy? There's so many, so many pieces there. Like where does yeah. he go? And he, does he play every day? Like, a lot of questions with uh, with Franco. If that the talent's great, but man. He seems be? more like a late season call up to help yeah. bump down the post season run. You know, again, like everyday if, plate appearances down in the minors. And- like if you asked us this question in August, I'd say, okay, go ahead and grab him for the September push. Knock yourself out. 
but I'd still be concerned about playing time at that point as long as everyone's healthy. So Yeah, and also in like a standard 10 to 12 team league, like I don't know how much better than replacement level he's going to be, you know, during his first run out there. So you'll you'll get more value just out of working the good matchups and stuff like that. I think. And and the the other train of thought is if it's a fab league, someone's going to pay a lot of money for him. So you could take that money and do something else to benefit your team for the now. Mm. So think about that also. Um, Little Book of Calm asks, when Springer comes back, which reports today look like April 27th at the earliest, he keeps getting pushed back, I'll need to cut an outfielder off the end of my bench. It's a weird league, 12 teams, OBP, power is emphasized, home run, total bases slugging, and my bottom five outfielders are Hilliard, Polanco, JBJ, Austin Slater, Abby Garcia, who do you like the most least of that group? Sadly, I would drop Hilliard or Slater. Yeah, I think I'd probably drop um, Hilliard. Was it an OBP league or no? You said yes, OBP. OBP. Yes. I'd drop Hilliard. Yeah, he's um, just not playing enough, and that kills me. Kills yeah, me. and, and Slater, that's the thing. Both Hilliard and Slater are, are not playing, but I think Slater is a better – like he he uh, plays really well when he plays, and he's got a really good OBP, and he steals bases. Not that Hilliard won't, but um, I just think that that's a better better look. And you don't really know when Hilliard's going to play because it's not like he's a traditional platoon; like he's not hitting against righties. Um, so yeah, so that's what I would say. And then of that of that group, the guy that I like the most, um, I would probably Abby. say Abby. Abby for sure, but then again, like I said, in OBP, he's he also gets a he gets JB, JB, JBJ is actually pretty decent in OBP. He's yeah, very good in OBP actually. I have him in a, I have him in it. Has he been playing every day, JBJ? Well, it's been like I wrote JBJ and Avi for the most part have low king kind of sprinkles in from time to time. It feels like, especially with Yelich has been out lately, so it's been tough to tell. Mm, so yeah. Those three have been playing every day. We really haven't had a great like stretch of games where all four of them are healthy. So we haven't yeah. really figured that out yet. Um, yeah, JBJ. Yeah, overall is not great right now. But uh, yeah. we could say the same thing for Avi and Locaine about three or four days ago. Yeah, for sure. That, it goes back to the whole small sample thing. Um, but I will say, little book of calm, you have a few more weeks before you have to think about this. So a lot can change. Keep that in mind. Um, the last question we have for tonight, this, is like, this could be Toby's opus because this is like right in his wheelhouse. Uh, Joseph uh, Morrow asks, when do you start category analysis? Drafted a staff with some lower strikeout guys, fell into three closers, Reyes, Rodriguez, and Barnes. Already at bottom of strikeout since I have started the three closers. He's starting them instead of starters, so he's low on Ks. Um, can't imagine these closers lasting too long. What is the play? Yeah, I mean, I think this is where it's helpful to understand, like, the context of your team, like one of the reasons why it's nice to have projections heading in is because you kind of get a sense of where your strengths and weaknesses might be already heading in. So I would say if I had three closers in a league, which would be really, really, really nice. I have one league, I think out of all of my leagues, including 12 teamers where that's the case. Um, I would, I would definitely have those guys in the lineup every single day, um, uh, every single week. So I would do that. I think you need to match up. You need to maximize and try to get those um, those two start starters in there, right, to try to make up on some innings as well. But one of the things that I think you should do is as you build up those saves, think about when you want to transition um, from six starters, three relievers, to seven starters and two relievers. You know, so let's say they stay the, the closers for the rest of the season, 
you know, you want to you want to kind of monitor that. And what you can do always is bank those saves early. And then when you feel pretty good about where you are, set yourself that target, right? So if you're in like a main event league, you know, the target last year was like 73 saves. I imagine this year it'll be closer to like 60 to 65 saves for 80th percentile. And so once you kind of get in that, in that range, right? If you just do starting pitchers, which is going to be really hard, right? Um, because you, um, you know, it's hard to get nine starting pitchers that are quality enough, but like, let's say you go to eight to one or seven to two, or, you know, like throughout the year, you can just use, you, if you have better starting pitcher matchups that allow you to get seven, then maybe think about which one of those guys only has five, five, or if it's Rodriguez, like recognizing the pirates are probably going to get one save opportunity every month. Uh, because I don't think they've actually they've had one save opportunity. I think the whole bad. Um, since the season started. So just thinking about things like that to play the starters in the right matchup. So I think you just need to be cognizant of that, and then at a certain certain point, depending on where you are in saves, is kind of make that transition and decide who those two closers you're going to have in the lineup every day is, and then just kind of map it out from that point in time. Um, I think that's one of the challenges of having a ton of leagues that I'm that I'm realizing this year is. I'd love to do that type of level of analysis, but I'm just trying to scrap it. Hang on. Keep it all together. Yeah, literally, like, I'm just like, I don't know. I don't even know which players are on which teams at this point in time. I'm just like. I almost almost tweeted at you and some other guys on Saturday. I I sat down, and I did, like, my five fab NFBC leagues. Took a couple couple hours. I walked away. I did all my other leagues the next day. I'm like, I'm just, I'm done. I can't keep doing this. I don't know how you do it. It was 1030. I'm like, I'm going to bed. I'm not doing this anymore. I almost yeah, texted you going, I bet you're awake. Still doing this right now. Oh, dude. You're, you're, yeah. You're this, week, this week it was two, 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 yeah. two or two thirty that I ended up uh, finishing it up. It is, it is a slog. Uh, yeah. I can't. For sure. For sure. Yeah. You, this is what I do. I just throw yeah. on my headphones. I just throw on some good music and I'm focused. I'm focused like, I mean, I've got little kids all the time. And so when I can just focus tunnel vision into that computer and just look at those players, I mean, there's a little bit of, there's a little bit of peace in there. There's a little there bit of go. peace. It's your, it's your zen um, spot. Yeah, there's a little bit of zen in there, yeah. But. Um, I, for, for Joseph, though, if I give two cents on this, um, and I, I, I've, I know I've said it earlier in the show, I say it a lot and people probably think I'm crazy, but I've done it in years past. Certain weeks, if there's just pitchers that aren't there for you, um, I, or if you can do it right now and you have the flexibility on your roster, go grab a um, a Kopech. Uh, keep an eye on a daily own. Those guys like a TJ Anton type that's going to go two, three innings that are high strikeout guys because you can just accumulate those while you're waiting for your two-star pitchers. Instead of just instead of taking kind of mediocre two-star pitchers, go grab some of these guys. Watch what teams start using openers. Those will be big as well because that, that'll come up. You get them for a couple times a week. Like little things like that. Like Toby said, ideally you find your top starters. You rotate the six to threes, the seven to twos, the eight to ones. That's the idea. Like rotate that going back and forth. But you're not always going to have six pitchers you even want to start. It's just not going to happen. So find some different guys you can rotate in and out that might help you rack up strikeouts. Go go see who's got good K to walks right now and stuff like that as the season develops and kind of go that route instead of waiting for the right two starts because that's tough. And while you're doing that, a lot of people are going to be trying to pick those guys up as well. So it's not always a lock that you're just going to get these guys every week to, to stream. It's not always going to happen. So keep that in mind. All right, Toby, that'll wrap us up this week. Final thoughts to uh, about 10 to 12 games in the books, depending on where you are to we're, we're through week two, as they say. So thoughts. Yeah. Keep grinding. I love May. I love it when May rolls around and we got a little bit of something to look at, you know, like, 
got a good little, uh, good little sample to take a peek at and, and, and look for guys. But, um, yeah, just keep plugging away. It's, it's, it's been a tough year so far for sure on a lot of fronts, closers, wins, you know, pitching wise, it's been, it's been really tough. It's yep, only going to get tougher too as the weather warms up. And yep, it's going to get a little dicier as things warm up and you know hitters get comfortable and things start to change. It's going to get fun. Let's we'll see how it keeps changing. We'll have to see how these new humidors affect different things. As the you know some ballparks that are super humid have humidors now to help make the ball fly less. It's going to be weird. All kinds of goofy stuff. So uh, keep an eye on that and uh, check in with us weekly. We'll give you our two cents on everything. Keep the listener questions coming. That uh, helps drive some fun conversations on the show as well. But until next week, check out Toby on Twitter at BatFlipCrazy. I'm at BDNTrick. This was Bubba and the BatFlip episode 79. Catch you guys next week. <laughs>